Sunday Sermons from Trinity UMC in Lincoln, a podcast to help on the faith journey. Now on to this week's message from Pastor Jeff Slater. This series is called Let Us Play. Obviously, uh, playing off of the phrase let us pray that we say so often because I think those two are more closely related than a lot of people realize. It is a joint series along with Southgate United Methodist where my wife Amy, not not, not the Amy here, the other Amy, my Amy, my wife Amy uh, is a pastor. It's a joint series. Uh, One of the uh, weeks during the series, uh, we're going to do a pulpit swap. Uh, So um, we we, uh, we were teasing, wait till our building superintendents find out they got to move these pulpits between churches for Sunday. No, that's not what a pulpit swap is. Uh, no, we're going to switch. So Amy's going to come here. Okay, took too long to get. That means it wasn't funny, right? <laughs> no, that's going uh, to be on the third week of the series. You get the idea, right? But the idea started when my wife and I were talking about the Book of Joy uh, by, Desmond Tut- by Archbishop Desmond Tutu and the Dalai Lama. Maybe you've heard of this. It was a number of years ago. Uh, whenever, the, uh, Ar- whenever Archbishop uh, Tutu and the Dalai Lama get together, they always laugh. And it's just infectious just to hear their laugh together. And they teach each other. They're, they're mischievous. Uh, 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 Desmond Tutu's daughter, adult daughter, said that when the two of them get together, and by the way, at the time they were both in their 70s, probably 80s, she joked that when the two of them get together, it's like the energy of eight-year-old boys. And it's hilarious to watch. So here are two of the most remarkable holy men, you might say, on uh, uh, living on, on earth. And uh, and and they're so, they have such fun together, and their faith is expressed in such joy. And there is a place for formality in the world. Formality is important too, and silence and reverence is a big part of my own faith journey. But I think we don't give enough attention to play. And so that's what this series is about. Uh, in it, we're going to experience, uh, explore the connection between faith and spirituality and play. We thought that right after Easter was the best time to do it uh, because it's the time, uh, the time in the Christian year that's the most joyful following it all. Uh, one of the weeks, we're going to talk about the Sabbath, about making room for play in our life. We're going to talk about play in the midst of difficulty. I think that's important too, you know, Uh, you know, inspired at least in part by uh, Desmond Tutu and the Dalai Lama, well, uh, uh, remember that they've also seen their share of hardship, that Archbishop Tutu's joy was formed in the struggles against apartheid, in the atrocities that happened there, that the Dalai Lama saw his people oppressed uh, in Tibet, Uh, yet it still is expressed in joy. So we'll explore how play happens in the midst even of our own difficulties. And the last week in the series is the one I personally am looking forward to just because I finally get to share one of my own little biblical theories. There's this place uh, in uh, one of Jesus' appearances uh, after his death and resurrection when I swear he's teasing his disciples. He's messing with them. <laughs> he's ribbing them and giving them a hard time and I wanna share that with you too. But for today, I want to start with three statements in a row. Now see if you can hold these three statements uh, together, these three ideas in your head together at the same time. The first one is this, the United Nations Convention on the Rights of a Child, I'll say it again, the United Nations Convention on the Rights of the Child recognizes that it is a universal human right of all children to be able to play. The second statement is this, our own Deanna Turner 
who uh, passed away a few years ago, but, but was the, uh, the, uh, who, who uh, headed up our uh, church's childcare for so very many years, for so very many decades. She was fond of invoking the phrase that a child's work is play. And the third statement is this. Play researchers say that it doesn't end when you grow up. <laughs> so most of the sermon time today, I want to give to somebody else. Because as Amy and I were thinking about this, we uh, discovered uh, someone in our own neighborhood, uh, so to speak, uh, in Omaha, technically, uh, who is one of those play researchers. Maybe some of you have heard of Urban Abbey. It's a United Methodist bookstore, coffee shop, and congregation in uh, downtown Omaha. Uh, a wonderful place in its own right, and one of the best bookstores and coffee shops I've ever been in, by the way. I highly recommend uh, going up there. But one of the members of their worshiping community is Deborah Wisniewski. Uh, and uh, Deborah is, a, uh, is one of those play researchers that I mentioned. So first of all, how great a job is that? to be a play researcher. That sounds like a wonderful thing to do for a living. She's a professor at UNO, University of Nebraska, Omaha, and she researches play and teaches early childhood educators. And she's also a person of faith. And as soon as I learned about her and heard her speak, I knew that we had to talk to her. And so I sent a message and I uh, made an introduction and it turns out she's a warm and gracious person and was more than happy to talk to us. And so uh, Amy and I went up there and we talked uh, and we videoed it. And I want you to hear what she has to say about play, about what play is, why play is important, but I also want you to hear her view as a play researcher on why play is an important part of our walk with God. Let's listen. My name is Deborah Wisniewski, and I'm the Langen Community Chair in Early Childhood Education at UNO, professionally. And my area of interest of research and of teaching is around play, primarily in early childhood education, but I'm actually training teachers and adults who work with young children. What I was noticing is if we are to create playful spaces for children and experiences, if we're not playful adults, right, it's really hard to create that space for them. So I've come to kind of tap into adult play at the benefit of young children. How would, how would we define what play is? Play is sort of in the eye of the beholder. But we would call it as any activity, though, that has some qualities to it. One is it's intrinsic. No one, no one can make you play, uh. right? So we could sit here with Legos and it not be play for us. Put them together. Right. That's not play. Right. <laughs> not play. Um, another quality of play is, is active. Um, you know, not the passive like I watch. Although some people would say for adults and that watching a play in a theater with a crowd still might feel like play. But for the most part, you're engaging in some way, physically, mentally. Another quality of it is um, there's, it's the process, not the product we say in early childhood, like what it looks like, right? Isn't the goal of it. It's the goal is having being in the moment with that. So play is a developmental necessity for children. Yes. And so what age does that stop? It never, That's a trick yes. question. Go ahead, though. Yes. 
I'm I still was, waiting. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It, it doesn't. It doesn't stop. It changes. If in the early years, it's to create a foundation for the rest of your life that you can be a healthy and, um, and creative and happy human being, um, later in life, play often becomes a part of maintaining that health. Right. And so there's actually play therapists, psychologists who use play for children. Um, As we get into adulthood, sometimes they call it art therapy. Um, But that play becomes, um, we still need it. One of a researcher that um, many of us in the play research field um, admire and look up to was Brian Sutton Smith, who said, the opposite of play is not work. The opposite of play is depression. Wow. Ooh. Yeah. The opposite of play is depression. Mm-hmm. I can see that. That, that oh, sits. Yeah. That resonates. Yeah. yeah. What are some things that can get in, a way, in the way of play? What can stifle play or be a barrier to playfulness? Uh, my first answer would be adults. <laughs> Yeah. We are the barrier. <laughs> yeah. But um, within that, thinking of adults, like thinking what, why do we put up those barriers? I think are a lot of fears. Um, fears of letting go of control of others. Play, you don't know what's going to happen next. It is improv. I don't know if he's going to jump or not, or I don't, I don't, and, and as we get older, I think we, we like knowing what's going to happen next. So, so we put up barriers or rules or things, what you can and can't do, but play is about what I can't, like the possibility. You're also a person of faith. I am. So where would you say is the intersection between play and faith and spirituality? So there's many. I've often thought of the part in the Bible where Jesus says, come to me as little children. And I don't know how many people can interpret that, how, how they want. But to me, I often think of play because to go into play doesn't mean to be childish in this, the negative connotation we give it. I think Jesus was saying, come open-hearted. Come without um, reservations. Come, come, you know, with such hope and um, I don't know, freeness and joy, rather than all those barriers like psychological or emotional and, and like that we kind of layer on us. I, I see in adulthood, so I kind of start my days. Be, you know, being playful of thinking, okay, how can I um, deal with this thing at work that we're having a problem? You know, whether it's a relationship or uh, just something that needs to be solved, how how can I bring it a, a playfulness or, you know, rather than um, judgment, right? So, so that play mindset, that's kind of my connection. I often think this is how I was asked to come to him so and to the world so I have to remember that
And I want to thank Deborah for talking to us. Isn't that great? Um, we talked for half an hour on camera, and then we stopped the cameras and talked for another 45 minutes just because we got carried away. That's play, by the way, <laughs> getting carried away like that. But uh, it, it was uh, painful practically to cut it down to only a few minutes to show you today. There was a whole part about play and community and how we can play on our own, but it, it, it really is more... It play, more it is more characterized as play when we do it with other people. There was also a whole section on the connection between play and justice. Uh, so um, the uh, entire interview was about half an hour. Uh, many of you know I do a video uh, midweek, every Wednesday afternoon it goes out. And this week's video is going to be the entire interview if you'd like to see it. If you don't uh, get those already, uh, go to our website and enter your email address and uh, you will be on the list to get that this Wednesday. But let me let, let me just underline a couple things she said to bring them back to our mind. One of them is that play is, uh, there, there, there's something that happens when we play where we lose track of time. Uh, and that reminds me of what great spiritual teachers uh, call uh, chronos time versus kairos time. Chronos time, using the Greek word for a clock, you know, counting the seconds, versus kairos time. Something that happens when we worship, when we sing, when we create, where we lose track of that, where, where time, it, it seems to be time out of time. Um, modern uh, modern uh, productivity types who talk about, uh, write business books and the like, talk about flow and how sometimes our work becomes play in that sense and we lose ourselves in it. And it isn't just something that happens with children. Play is part of how children learn. She said, she told a story, uh, I think it was off camera, of uh, some of her, uh, um, some of the early educators, early childhood educators that she was teaching, and they all just lit up because they realized the children were doing rather complex math in their play, not because they were teaching them math, but simply because they provided space for them to play. But Deborah says, I forget who she was quoting, but when we're older, play is not so much about developing who we are but it's about staying healthy. She says the opposite of play isn't work. The opposite of play is depression. You may notice that in the altar this month, we have toys for every age. There are Duplos here. Uh, you know, and Legos are a big way that uh, children and an increasing number of grown-ups play with too. But you may also notice golf clubs. There's a pickleball uh, um, uh, paddle up here. There are so many ways we play. A puzzle book for instance, there are so many ways we play and all of them are valid, but it's important that we lose ourselves in it sometimes. Uh, as I was listening to the video this time, I thought of my dog, Lily, and it just occurred to me that she's about to turn two, so I don't know what age you stop calling her a puppy. I don't think I'm ever going to stop calling her a puppy. But, you know, there's always those moments where she gets that gleam in her eye where I know she's in play mode and, and I get there too, and all of a sudden, nothing else really matters. Neither of us know exactly what's going to happen next but you get lost in the play. That's what we all need. Now, I really don't want to start this series off on a negative note, but did you all catch what Deborah said when Amy asked what gets in the way of play? Adults. <laughs> now, she said it softly, she said it gently, but it's true. And oftentimes for reasons that are perfectly valid. You know, we know, that we know what it's like to be hurt. We know what it's like when something goes wrong. Uh, when we grow, as we grow up, we learn some of these lessons the hard way. But I think too often, 
We let it become a barrier. We let our psychological walls go up and keep us from entering into that state of play that really is a healthy thing and that we need. You know, I mentioned the book of joy earlier between Desmond Tutu and the Dalai Lama. There's a, a quote in it from the Holy, that I'll, I'll give you here from the, the Dalai Lama. He says this, sadly, many of the things that undermine our joy and happiness, we create ourselves. Often it comes from the negative tendencies of the mind, emotional reactivity, or from our inability to appreciate and utilize the resources that exist within us. He's saying the play is within us. The joy is within us. And he goes on to say, uh, uh, there's a, there, the quote goes on for a while. He goes on to say that there are things like natural disasters in this world that we can't help. But oftentimes the things that steal our joy the most are things we do have control over. And we even see this in scripture. So let me tell you the other part of the scripture story. Sam read it for you a minute ago, of course, but this is of David bringing the ark back into the city uh, of Jerusalem, uh, back into the people. And he's so overjoyed by just being in the presence uh, of such a powerful symbol of God that he can't help himself but dance. But Michael, looking on, his wife, I believe at the time, was, saw him and all she could see was how undignified he was being. Now, this gets complicated. I actually fell down a little bit of a, a rabbit hole this week studying this scripture, and it really does get complicated. There are politics going on. There are valid reasons why Michael is upset right now, let me just tell you. And, and if you want to hear more of that, you can. There's questions about what exactly happened, but I still think the point stands that Oftentimes, it's our own psychological barriers that we put up, our misunderstandings about what's good and right and true. These are the things that block us from appreciating that joy and that play to its fullest. But I think our real scripture today is the one that Deborah invoked. You know, it's interesting to hear how somebody who studies play for a living, who immerses herself in kids' play as often as she can, how she reads that scripture when Jesus says, let the little children come to me. In her eyes, what she hears in that is she sees the purity with which children come to the task of play, the task of play. You know, you get what I mean, right? They come to it with an openness. They come to it with a trust. And she says that that's how she thinks we are to come to God. That's how we are to come to Jesus, like those little children. We are to come to him in such a way that we set our psychological barriers aside, that even though we've learned that not everyone in this world is trustworthy, we learn that Jesus is. And so we come to him with that eagerness, with those bright eyes, with those eyes that are ready for whatever might happen next, even if we don't entirely know, with that eagerness to lose track of time. We should come to Jesus with bright eyes and an eagerness to lose track of time as we engage with joy. And so, this series is for all of us, myself included, to help us loosen up a little bit. You know, our church is already pretty good at playing and having a good time. But I think there's always room for more joy in our life. And so here we are. 
Now, one thing we're going to do each week in the series is have cards. Uh, and uh, they look like this. You're going to get one on the way out. They have let us play on one side. And on the other side, the emoji of the week, which this time is a reminder that sometimes play surprises us and that we sometimes we have to be extra intentional about not letting, the, uh, not letting our uh, barriers keep us from playing. On it, you'll find a scripture to remind you uh, this week of David uh, dancing because he couldn't help it before God, a prayer, and then an action. And here's this week's. Find a recording of your favorite song, play it, sing along loudly, and make up a dance. Now, I will tell you, that's not easy for me. I, I, I can sing. The dancing part, not so easy for me. I will leave it to you whether you want to do this action in the presence of others or in private. <laughs> that is up to you. But I do hope you'll do it, and I'm serious about that. Because we all need to be a little more open to play, to losing track of our, ourselves and our time, and just being joyfully in the presence of God. Never be afraid to express your love for God with laughter and fun. All right, let us pray. Oh God, thank you. Thank you for your goodness, God. Thank you for the fact that you are so good and so full of such love and purity that it is impossible to be in your presence and not be filled with joy. Lord, help us to respect the barriers that we put up in our mind and in our hearts. But help us also to set them aside in your presence so that we also might have that feeling in our body and so that we might know as fully as we may your love and your joy. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this week's Sunday Sermon. For more information on growth groups or how to more fully embrace the life of faith, visit us at www.trinitylincoln.org.